scripture memory verse tonight, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Anybody else? Hey, and no overachievers either. Just two verses. Nobody else? Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Good job. Anybody else? <laughs> Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Good job, Michael. Anybody else? Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because... Good job. Anybody else? You can read it if you want. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. Through the <coughs> Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Good job. Anybody else? Good job. And just because Ray's not here, uh, King Jameth, which I just, King James says it a little bit differently. I just lost it. I was looking it up on purpose. It actually says, uh, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Isn't that a hymn? Great is thy faithfulness? Yeah, I thought so. Anybody else? Read it. You want to memorize it? It's interesting, the book of Lamentations, and I didn't know it until I started to study this. I don't know if you want to look. You can look. Uh, what is there, five chapters? It's uh, five chapters, and, and it's a book of poetry. Uh, Lamentations is, although he's the weeping prophet, Jeremiah wrote it, but chapter 3 has 66 verses. All the other four chapters have 22 verses. <coughs> exactly. It's poetic. And chapter 3 has three times as many as the other ones, which is 66. And it's written with, like Psalms 119, it's written with the acrostic of the alphabet. Every one of the chapters in the in the Hebrew, they, the, the first verse one is with A, uh, alpha, and then Beth, the second one, and then it goes to the next letter for the first three verses. But in chapter three, you have the first three are in A, the, the, the next three are in B, and the next three are in C, and it's, it's poetic, it's normal in Hebrew poetry. And I didn't know that until I started looking at this verse and I said, whoa, wait a minute. And so this is verse 22. See, if the chapter would end here, like the other chapters in 22, it would be through the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fell not. That would have been the end of this chapter. Wow. But wait a minute. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It goes on. This is not the end of it all. You know, no matter what's going on in your life, this is not the end of it all. God has got a plan. God is, is on the throne. God is not dead. God loves you, and God wants to reach you, and he wants you to surrender to him. 
So we need to know that in anything, don't think that you've done something that he will not forgive, that there's nowhere you can go. Listen, it's because of his mercies that we're not already consumed. Notice the word we, because all of us are confined to the same place. All of us are confined to sinners, that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. His anointed, his Messiah, his, he, what he has provided for salvation. It's his plan. It's his will. It's what he has promised. But notice it's because of the Lord, Jehovah's mercies. His mercies simply means his kindness. Mercies, his kindness, his goodness, his merciful kindness. It could be translated. And it really means his zeal toward kindness. Isn't that amazing? That, 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 and this is what we're supposed to be like. As Christians, we're supposed to grow into this, that we have a zeal to want to do good works. We have a zeal to want to go forward and take care of people, to want to go forward and make sure other people do better than what they're doing because we can bring them the light, the truth, the hope of the universe. We have the answer. They might be sick with cancer. We don't have the cure for that. But they have sin and we have the cure for it. We have their future in our hands. Listen to me. This is very important because we're going to get to and go to in a minute to Titus, which is a book about tell your people to always be zealous for good works, to be kind, to go out. This is what a Christian should be, concerned about others because of the love of God. Because we become vessels of mercy because the mercy that he's given us. We should want to give that to others. But we get so focused upon self because of the lies of the devil. He bewitches us the way that he did Eve. And Eve got focused upon what she could get and what her appetite was and what she was doing. And she wanted to be the <coughs> boss. And then we inherit original sin through Adam, the first Adam. So it's through the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. What's consumed mean? Listen to this. Consume. Oh, to make an end of. Oh, really? Yeah, because think about it. Didn't I, if you're reading with us, you're reading through Deuteronomy or just finished it. And, uh, and there's times where God just tells Moses, back up. I'm just going to kill them all. And I'm going to start over with you. And you know what Moses did? Cool! I get to be the leader and I get to be the one. No, he ate sand. Him and Aaron would get on their face and say, Lord, don't do this. Don't do this against your name, against your word, because the people around will say that you brought them into the wilderness, but you couldn't deliver them to the promised land. So they got on their face for people. They were on the ground. They were like, don't do it, Lord. Think about it. If they'd have been bewitched and listening to the devil, they'd have been like, yeah, the God, of, the God of Moses. That sounds really good. Instead of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let's, their people's real bad. Kill them, God. And they'd be the God of Moses. That's who it all. I mean, think about it for a minute. That's pride and arrogance. Now, Moses was a little bit angry, and he would get frustrated with the people, and he misrepresented the people and didn't get across over to the land that God was giving him, a land flow of milk and honey. But he was always on his face for the people. He was always concerned about the people. And it's because of God's mercy, his kindness, his love, his zeal to do good that you and I are not consumed. My goodness, what's that mean? God's a consuming fire. God could burn us up at any second. That's what he said. Back up, Moses. I'll burn them up. What did he do to Sodom and Gomorrah? He burned them up. His mercy ran out. And he judged it. And his mercy is getting ready to run out on this God-forsaken world. They continue to ignore him and say no to him. And follow their lying <coughs> science and their lying leaders. And they ignore the truth. And they follow the devil and their own selfish desires. And his mercy is getting ready to run out. And he's promised, listen, never to destroy the earth again with water. But he's going to destroy it with fire unquenchable fire and those that are punished are going to be cast into the lake of fire 
And, and people might think, oh, well, that's good because then it'll burn up. No. On fire, never burning up. Remember Moses in the wilderness? Exodus 4, I think. There's a bush. It's on fire, but it's not consumed. This is really important stuff because God's a consuming fire. And he tells us in Hebrews, yet once more, he's going to shake all things. Can you be shaken right now? Do you need some stuff shaken out of your life? God's a consuming fire. And if you have the spirit of God and you're doing the will of God and you want to be uh, give God glory, his consuming fire will not consume anything but your flesh and your sin and your desire for self. But if that's all you are is self, 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 sin, and Satan, it's going to consume you completely. And the only rescue is Jesus Christ. And that's where the mercy and the kindness comes in. Think about that for a minute. If it's kindness and it's mercy, then that's a fruit of the Spirit. God is love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness. That's a good attribute, the kindness of God, because that's what keeps me from dying and being killed and consumed because I'm a sinner that's been saved by grace. What about you? Do you understand that? Because his compassions fail not. Isn't that amazing? Neither does his word. He sent it out to heal the land. Nothing that God is doing is going to fail. And if you have evidence that something did, I'd like to see it. Yet everything that the world is doing, everything that you do in your flesh, everything that we do that's not a part of being in Christ will fail, will burn up, will end, will be done away with, will collapse. You can't build for yourself. We have to build upon the foundation that God has given. His compassions fail not. I love that because I need compassion. Don't we want compassion? Why don't we give it to others? Why are we not giving others mercy? Why are we not giving them the same compassion and the love that God would give to us if we're supposed to be reflecting the sun and becoming like the sun and we have the seed of the sun planted in us to bring about fruit of righteousness? Why are we not wanting to be merciful and kind to others? It, it's really funny that here's something that's really amazing. Listen to this. Because of the Lord's mercies, it is the mercies, it is of the mercies of God, we are not consumed. Do you know that we are and consumed are the same Hebrew words repeated? Taman or T-A-M-A-N. Because we are confines us all to we are together. That's what it means. We are complete and then consumed is the same thing. Complete, it's the same word. I was like, how do you guys do this? Because <laughs> I'm like, how? It, it just amazes me. But we are all together complete, and, and we are all together at, a, at an end, made at an end. And then not consumed is the same thing. And it's because of this deep love that God has for his creation. You ever create something? You ever make something? You ever draw a picture? Yeah, and, and your little brother or your little sister or somebody spilled water all over it or it was destroyed but you were so happy about what you made. I, think about it for a minute. God created. He spoke and created the heavens and the earth. And somebody's trying to destroy it and, and they're incapable of destroying it. And then he gives you a chance to be who he designed you to be, who he spoke you to be, who he made your genetics to be, everything about you, your, your, your language, your DNA, and he's giving you that right again to be reborn and rebirthed and be, and be that person that you would choose to be everything that God wants you to be. That's all he wants you to do. He chose you, now he wants you to choose him. And he wants you to surrender to his plan to do everything that he has already said you're going to do. Wow, how easy could that be? Here's a square peg, put it in a square hole. Nope, nope, I'm a real knucklehead. I'm going to put it in this round one. And I'm going to keep doing it until I wear a hole in this round hole and it fits. I'm not, I'm that knucklehead. <clears throat> so I know that if it wasn't for his mercies, I would be consumed. Because, though, why? What's the channel of that? His compassion. His bowels of mercy. And listen to what it means when you look up it in the Hebrew. I'm like, oh! By extension, the womb. 
listen, as cherishing, cherishing the fetus. God cherishes the fetus. That's his compassion. That's what that word is. He's cherishing what? The fetus. Why? Because you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows who you are in the womb. He knew who you were created to be. He doesn't want that fetus to be destroyed. He wants it to have life. He wants to bring it to the end. He wants it to have faith in his son Jesus and understand the blood. He wants it to you to run the race to win and cross the finish line and sit on his knee in heaven as, it, as him being the father that created this all for you. But he judges a nation that will destroy the fetus in the womb. And listen, right now, the only restraining force is the church that's up and speaking out loud. If we were taken out, they would be killing babies tomorrow outside the womb. They're already doing it in other nations. They're already doing it in other places. What is it? Is Australia that they said that they killed, they got rid of Down syndrome? They completely cured Down syndrome. Who? Iceland? Maybe it's Iceland. How'd they do it? By knowing and testing and saying that baby's going to have Down syndrome, kill it while it's in the womb. But that baby was fearfully and wonderfully made. And we're continuing to do this and we're supporting this. It's only by the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Not just as a people, but the whole nation. But is he coming to an end of that? I know we want, oh, I need some hope. Greg, why are you preaching that? We're already doing bad. We're struggling. It's been a hard week. Listen, the hope is, is that before he destroys and pours out his wrath, he takes us home. If we know the Bible and we understand what's going on, our hope is in Christ Jesus. My hope is not in the next paycheck. My hope is not in anything the government's doing. I'm not looking to them to help me have hope. I have my identity hidden in Christ. He spoke my DNA before I was ever even born. I'm not looking at, at, at what's going on right now and then going, oh man, I don't even want to get up. I want to get up. I want to go tell somebody about Jesus. What about you? I'm serious. This is what we were born for. It's in our DNA if we're Christian people is to glorify God. And he'd give us every resource for it to go out and glorify him, to go out and live our life in a way that they will say, that person knows Jesus. And they won't shut up about Jesus. Paul said, pray that I would have boldness, that I would speak as I ought to speak. Because when you stand before people, you don't want to speak as you ought to speak. You want to go along with the crowd. But you want to have boldness so you will speak and say, whoa, 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 what are you talking about? That's not true. That's not true. You might feel that way, but that's not true. That's not God. That's not what he's created. we got to speak up. But you first have to be concerned about being a vessel of mercy that would have compassion like God has. If we're his children, we're supposed to be learning to be like him in his house. And this is easy because it's his spirit that does it. If we just say, here I am, send me. It's really not hard at all. I mean, I'm serious. It is not hard at all if we let the Holy Spirit do all the work. We're going to get to that. Because the Holy Spirit is what we're supposed to be allowing to lead us, guide us, teach us. As many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the children of God. His compassion, his tender love and mercy. They fell not. They don't end. I was really surprised. Now listen, I was really surprised that it was not the same word again. When I looked at it, Tamman again. They don't stop. In other words, on, on our side, we should be consumed, but his mercies never stop. It was a different word though. It says they never cease, they never quit. They fail not, they don't end. They are new every morning. What's new every morning? What's they there for? His mercies. They're new every morning. The mercies are new every morning. His mercies new every morning. 
Man, I can't wait to get up in the morning and go, Lord, I need your mercy. Send me out into this dead and dying world, but I need your mercy as I go out. Because <clears throat> I'm going to yell at people on the way to work as they're driving real bad. You know what people be liking you to drive? I mean, I need mercy. God knows that. And he pours it out upon us if we'll let him. I'm not mad at nobody. I just don't want them to be in my way while I'm trying to go tell the world about Jesus. And you're slowing me down. I've got to get out there and tell people about Jesus. And you're driving 40 in a 55. I'm serious. I, I mean, it's funny. But I'm serious. <laughs> if you drove with me, you know. His mercies. My goodness. What is mercy? It's not getting what we deserve, right? We deserve death. We deserve hellfire. We're sinners. He's altogether perfect. We're altogether sinners. Not nothing good in us. So mercy is not getting what we deserve. Well, what is grace? It's getting what we don't deserve. Wait a minute, there's one more thing, judgment. What is judgment that he's getting ready to pour out on this earth? It's exactly what they deserve. Mercy, not getting what you deserve. Grace, getting something that you don't deserve. And judgment, getting exactly what you deserve. To be consumed by a consuming fire that's already promised what he was going to do. He's already told everybody what he's going to do. He, he, it's not going to be, like, you're not going to be able to get there and go, oh, I didn't know. Wait a minute, I wrote it down. I sent messengers to you. I had people witness to you. And you rejected it. And my, my book tells you that I'm going to judge one day. And yet even the church I go out and talk to people, even the church, even people that go to church every single week will scoff at that and say, yeah, but he's been, they've been saying that forever. I was, I was raised in the church, and they've been saying Jesus is coming back. That's scoffing. That's, that's, that's being critical. That's raising up something to destroy somebody's hope. And we do that as a church. We lose hope. Because we're not in fellowship. We're not in the word of God. We're not praying. We're not having a relationship with the God who died for us. So we begin to scoff just like the world. We begin to believe their lies and their propaganda and their false science. And we begin to think, well, maybe God didn't know that there was going to be a woman born in that man's body. God knows. He fearfully, and he loves that fetus, and he put them there on purpose. And when somebody in reinforces that thought that they're a woman in a man's body, those people are going to go to hell if they don't repent because they are destroying the fetus that God spoke life into, and they're letting them think that it's okay to continue in that direction. And they're confusing them. And Satan is the author of confusion. And we need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Every single second of the day. Listen to me. There's a lot of lies going on out there. A lot of it. We're rewriting everything at a very fast, alarming pace. That's why you have to know the Word of God. But more importantly, you need to be spending time with the God of the Word. When you're spending time with your husband, you will grow to know him. You'll be intimate with him. You'll be like him. Because you're spending time with them. Once again, we talked about this social intercourse. When we're talking, and you're talking, and he's talking to you. His word's going in you, and you're finding out what he's like, and you're saying, wow, that's what you're like? Well, that's my identity, because you gave it to me. You gave me your righteousness, so I'm like that. I don't have to be like this. You already changed me. I don't have to keep doing that, because I'm like you, because... I'm married to you. And that's my inheritance. So we don't have to list, sit around and listen to the lie. Sorry, I get a little excited. Man, because if you messed up today, guess what? Six o'clock, his mercies were new. Because in the Hebrew culture, 
the evening and the morning was the first day. Their, their clock starts at 6 o'clock at night, so our morning is like right now. We're three hours into the day. But it doesn't matter when it is. His mercies, His mercies, His mercies. He sits on a throne of grace handing out mercy. And you can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And guess what? He's there. I was there a while ago going, Lord, what am I supposed to say about this? I was there talking to him. Have you been talking to him? Do you ask him? Do you listen to him? Are you reading his word? Are you finding out what the will of the Lord is and asking him to give you power to walk in that? And, and boldness. The righteous are supposed to be bold as a lion. But the unrighteous flee when no one pursues. That's why I don't run, by the way. Um, and they're new every morning. New every morning. Let's look at Titus 3. Let's take this into the New Testament. Because I was telling you we're going to go to Titus chapter 3 and look at this. It, it's so amazing that... Because, uh, you know... And, and I'm not... We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2 also. but Because everybody's always saying we're saved by grace. We're saved by grace. Yes. But it's because of mercy. Titus chapter 3. We're going to start probably in verse... Oh, let's just do it really quickly from verse 1. But I want to get you to verse 5. One of our memory verses that we've had in the past. Because of the Lord's mercies, we are not... Oh, that's not it, is it? That's Lamentations, isn't it? <laughs> not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us, through the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. That's 3.5. But 3.1, as he writes... Paul is writing Titus, who's on the island of Crete, and Crete is one of the three seas that I think it was the Corinthians, the Cretans, and the Sicilians. They were the worst people on the planet. And, and so here's Titus that had been left there to put things in order. And, and when he tells him to set things in order, it's like resetting a broken bone. See, the world is broken, and the Word of God resets that and makes it whole and heals it. It's a medical term. He says, I've left you there to put things in order. So assign elders and deacons and get things in order. And he says in 3.1, remind them. Listen, put them to remembrance. See, listen, the Spirit of God already tells us we're supposed to be under authority. We're supposed to be obeying. We're supposed to be coming back under authority, not living a rebellious life. When you're brought back into the kingdom of God, you stop being rebellious. You stop looking for every reason to argue and fight and, and cause problems and be a quarrelsome <coughs> person. So he said, remind them to be subject, hupotasso, we know that word, to align yourself under militarily uh, to rulers and authorities. Listen, when do we not? Listen, rulers and authorities, when do we not? We have government rulers that are lying to us, and we have an authority from God, and God says, you obey me first. So when rulers or authorities or government is saying something to us that's a lie and is detriment to our health, it's a detriment to our life, it's a detriment to our sanctification, it's getting in the way of God's truth, then we don't have to be subject. We don't have to align ourselves under lying, snake, governments. That's all of them, really, if you put it in line. It's all of them. But you're supposed to obey as far as you are able you can't get out of this world. You're not going anywhere until God takes you home. So while you're in this world, you're supposed to be a witness. And in that witness, you have to follow somebody out there. But you're supposed to be doing it as a light. As a light. As you're subject to them. And you know, I mean, if your boss, if you show up tomorrow and your boss says, hey, guess what? Today we got a new plan. We're going to go rob a bank. You can say no. Wait a minute. The Bible said to me, remind them to be said, oh, I'm going to obey the rulers and authorities. So I get to go rob a bank, and then I can plead, I didn't do it because my boss made me. No, you don't. You, you still need to know what the will of the Lord is, what the word of the Lord says. Sorry, I just wanted to spend a little time on that. Remind them to obey. Why? Because we're supposed to be obeying. God first, and then the authorities that God has laid in place which is, in, in, in family, is the husband, and then the wife, 
And then there's a church, and there's a pastor, and a deacon. There's elders. <laughs> this is the hierarchy in society. And when that's not happening, what do you do? You send them to the police. Because that's the hierarchy of society. And then they'll send you to a judge. That's, that's, that's how you obey authorities. Be ready to obey and to be ready for every good work. What does the Word of God do? It perfects you. It, 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 it reproves you. It's, it's preparing you. It's completing you for every good work. Why are we having our minds renewed? So that we can be ready to be the evidence of God for every good work. We're waiting to just say, hey, Jesus loves you. Every good work. Everything that God has created us to do. Now hang on to that. Because we're going to go over to Ephesians in a minute. We're going to look at here at Titus. Talk about mercy. Then we're going to go over to Ephesians. Because everybody's like, well, I ain't going to do no work. Jesus did it. No, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. You can't work your way into salvation. But guess what? When you get to heaven, you're going to be judged by the work you've done. <clears throat> we're going to be judged by our works. What kind of work are you doing? Where's your energy going? Because that's what you're going to be judged by. If your energy was going to self and sin and Satan, you're going to get cast into hell. But if your energy was going towards the will of God and obeying God and doing the work of God, that can only be done by the Spirit of God. So it's obvious you're following the Spirit of God. I mean, this is really simple stuff. But we're underneath the sway of the wicked one if we're not looking to do the will of God. What does he say in Matthew 7? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 721, will enter the kingdom of God. But those who obey, my Father is in heaven. This, I mean, Jesus said it. I didn't say it. I'm just quoting it. When you tie it all together and you think about what we're supposed to be reminded to do, he tells him at least three times in the book of Titus that they're supposed to be doing good works, to be zealous for good works, to remind them to meet urgent needs, to go out and show that the love of God would meet their urgent need. What's the most urgent need a person has? Salvation. My God will supply for all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Everything that you need for life and godliness is provided by Christ Jesus. Everything you need in life is from Christ Jesus. I'm sorry, here we go. We're going to get to mercy because that's our memory verse, right? Because of the Lord's mercies. They look forward in the Old Testament. We look back. Think about it. The weeping prophet's writing this down. Jeremiah preached for 40 years, never had one convert. He wanted to quit the ministry and God said, that's the reason I called you into the ministry because they're a bunch of knuckleheads. Oh, I mean sinners, not knuckleheads. Those are motorcycles, ain't they? But sometimes that's the reason we get frustrated as Christians. We go, I don't want to talk to none of them because they don't want to hear it. Wait a minute. That's why we became the light of the world. That's why we were sent. That's why it's not about our, our going out and winning a whole bunch of putting little stripes on our belt. It's about us being faithful to God and let him do the rest of the work. We're just faithful to the will of God, faithful to the work of God, faithful to the ways of God. And then we let him deal with the rest. He's going to judge the works of the people and what, why they did it. To speak evil of no one, tongue, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men, not just Christians, but all men. For we ourselves, what? Were once, this is who we were, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures. Think about it. That's who we were. We shouldn't be doing that right now. If you're doing that right now, then you need to go, Lord, wait a minute. Am I new creation? Wait a minute. Am I born again? Am I still doing that? That'd be a good place to start with praying. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. We're supposed to be living the one another ministry. Now, here it is, verse 4, what I wanted to get you to, but I had to bring you through that. But, here's the contrast. Here's the difference in your life and my life because we believed in Jesus. When the kindness, remember mercy means kindness. Remember that from the Hebrew? The kindness here 
means usefulness. The moral excellence is what it means of character and demeanor. The, when, when the moral excellence of God in character and demeanor, the gentleness of goodness appeared. Oh, wait a minute. Kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man. That kindness was shown in the mercy of God. And it was toward man. <coughs> appeared. Verse 5, not by works of right living, righteousness. That's a big fancy word for right living before God. It was not because of the works of right living before God that you and I have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. He set us in a safe place. When you believe in Christ, when you believe Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, God set you in a safe place. Why? Because of his mercy. How's it done? Because he gives us grace. Well, how's that done? Through faith. You believe it. We're going to go there in Ephesians in a minute. Tie these together. Put a bow on them like God's getting ready to do with this planet real soon. Not by works of right living, which we have done. See, that would be religion. But according to his mercy, he saved us. How did he do it, Greg? Through, here's the channel, the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, that's not you. We're not holy. We're the, remember, we're the ones that, 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 that were dirty. We're the ones that were sinners. So the Holy Spirit washed and regenerated and renews us. That's what's going on. That's the washing machine. It's not, it's not us. It's because the Holy Spirit seals us. Until the day of redemption. He's washing us. Positionally it's finished. Washing, regeneration, and renewing of the mind is finished. Let me give it to you. Washing means taking a bath. Did you guys know that? See our soul needed a bath. It was in sin. It gets a complete bath and we get righteousness of everything that Jesus has done. Washed by the blood of Jesus. That's how the Holy Spirit applies it. The Holy Spirit knows when you believe. The Holy Spirit knows when you trust in the, and you believe that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And then he washes you in the blood of Jesus. Then what does he do? Then he regenerates you and gives you that spiritual birth. It's a spiritual uh, a renovation, like home makeover. And it's especially a man, messianic restoration. That's what it means when you look up that word there. A messianic restoration of your soul. Well, how's that work? The Messiah came, the anointed of God, and his blood was handed to God, and God applied it to your account, and you were washed. But the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost knows in you who is saved and who is not. There's a washing and regeneration and a renewing. That's a complete, complete change for the better, the renewing. I love this. This is amazing. Look at this. How did he do it? He, whom he poured out on us abundantly. How? Through, what's the channel? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified, uh, just as if you never sinned. That's what that word means. When you see justification by faith alone, by grace alone, by Jesus alone, it's just as if you never sinned by his grace. Remember, that's getting what we don't deserve. Not only did God not consume us and kill us because of his mercy, but then his mercy, his kindness, his compassion, his love gave us grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, Justified just as if we never sinned by his grace. Where is that at? The grace of God. Where's that at? Anybody remember that verse? The grace of God has appeared. And I know that verse. The grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us that we should live soberly and justly in this present generation. Where's that verse at? Anybody know? 
Oh, that's terrible. For the grace of God has appeared to all men. I know right where it's at. It's right here on the left side of my page. You think if I turn page by page, I'll find it? Eventually? So, by mercy we have been saved. But in the mercy, he gave us grace. I thought that was in. Oh my goodness, that's terrible. When your mind goes away. Titus 2.11? You... Titus 2, I thought it was right here. It is 2.11, isn't it? Ain't we in Titus? And then 2.11 of Titus is, Yeah, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching... Or what are we supposed to do? Go to all men and teach them, right? I know that this bad translation, make disciples. King James says, go to all nations and teach them. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. And what do we do while we do that? Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing, second event, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Why did he give himself for us? 2.14, that he might redeem for us, to redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people that are zealous for good works. Remember that? God's zeal. That's what his mercy is. It's his zeal for kindness. We're supposed to be zealous to do the same good works and pour out that mercy upon others. And he said, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Why? Because he sent us with that authority, but no one despise you. So we're justified by his grace. We should become heirs. This is 2-7 again, or 3-7. Become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Have you received your inheritance? Are you understanding what's in the will of God? Finding out what's the will of God? Because the will of God is your inheritance. The will of God is, is your inheritance. And if you ask anything according to the will of God, his desires of God, the pleasure of God, he's going to do it. Isn't that amazing? So because of this mercy, we're not consumed. Uh, and, and not according to our works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Now let's look over at Ephesians. Let's look at Ephesians 1 first, uh, verse 13, because I want you to see how the Holy Spirit is washing and regenerating and renewing us. And that begins in, in the book of Ephesians. It's 1.13, when you believe. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, and he says in 1.13, In him, Jesus, you also trusted, Pistio, after you heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, the word of truth, Adima, I think, the gospel, the, uh, the good news of your salvation, that you can be safe, you can be delivered from hellfire, you can have a new nature, a new home, in whom also having believed, that's to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ, Pistis. You were sealed. Sealed. It's a canning term. You ever boil jars and seal the lids? Sealed. You preserve. That's what that is about. Preserving that. You were sealed. You were preserved with the Holy Spirit. What? The Holy Spirit seals us and preserves us. Yeah, we're the restraining factor of the world, but it's because the Holy Spirit preserved us and give us a message and, and the power to go out and tell others. Listen, the Holy Spirit of promise. What do you mean the Holy Spirit of promise? He said he promised he'd give you his spirit. He promised that, that no, I will. Don't, that, that's those, those times. It's Acts one. Those times that the Father has got in His own hand are not for us to know. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and all Samaria, to the uttermost end of the earth. I'm adding in there because that's where we're going. The Holy Spirit of promise when you believe. 
He puts his seed in you, the Holy Spirit, who, verse 14, 114 of Ephesians, is the guarantee. Now, guarantee in the King James is the earnest. You ever put earnest money down on something? On a house, on a car, you're driving by, you see a motorcycle for sale, and they want $1,100, and you don't have $1,100 on you because you don't carry that kind of cash. So you go up there and you go, listen, I got $100 right here. I'll give that to you, and I'll be back in a few minutes with the other 1000 And then that can become your motorcycle. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hold it for you then since you're serious, and you give me this earnest money as a promissory note that you're coming back. That's what the Holy Spirit is, right? He comes in and seals us. But what did Jesus do? Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit without measure. Why? Because he was God. And the Spirit is God. So everything about that Jesus did was of the Spirit. But now we've just got this promise, this sealing. And now the Spirit wants to wash us and cleanse us and renew us and make us just like Jesus. So it's a growth process where we begin to surrender to the Spirit, obey the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, walk in the gifting and the DNA that God created us for, and we become more like the Spirit every day as we're obeying. Why? Because we're becoming more like Jesus. And they both are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They both are giving themselves away. They both have surrendered completely so that you and I could come and live with them in the Father's house. So all of them are involved. The Father had a plan. He sent his Son. The Son died. We're washed in the blood. We're regenerated by the blood. And then the Holy Spirit seals us and then leads us back to being like Jesus and to the Father's house. Where Jesus is seated right now. If we would look. At, oh, we're going to look, ain't we? So it's the earnest money that's been put down. When you have the Holy Spirit. Then you have a desire. To continue to move in the direction. You, you know, like, like you put the earnest money down. And you, and you go home and you go. Oh, what'd you do with that $100 you had when you went to work? Oh, I give it for a motorcycle. I don't really care about it though. I'm just going to go eat. Wait a minute, you gave somebody $100 as earnest money for a motorcycle, you're not going back to get it? No, I'm not really concerned about it. No, I'm just going to go on. I, I was some other business I was doing on the way home. Now I'm going to go hang out and watch football. I mean, no, you don't just throw $100 away like that. And the Holy Spirit's not going to stop. He's faithful and just to complete the work he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. What? Until the day he sees Christ Jesus in you, which is face to face. That's the finish line. But we're supposed to be cooperating. We're supposed to be going. We're supposed to be trusting and growing in that trust. Not hiding from a lying world that can't do nothing to our soul. So it's the guarantee. It's the earnest of what? That inheritance that we were just talking about in Titus. That we are become heirs with Christ. The inheritance. What, how long? Until the redemption of the purchased possession, your soul. It's been purchased by the blood of Jesus. You're the purchased possession. You're no longer your own. You now belong to Jesus. And he can do what he wants with you. But he won't force his will upon you to the praise of his glory. And then he says in two, jump over to two, we're going to skip a few verses, and we're going to go on with two, and we're going to look at this. Because of mercy, you are not consumed. I am not consumed. Everybody, we are all in the same place completely done in, completely no hope, completely born with a sin nature, and God's mercy and kindness, he sends a savior. He makes a way out to safety to become whole again. And in two, he said, and he, you, me and you, he made alive. See, we were born dead. He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, there's a difference between that, right? Trespasses you see a sign that says, no trespassing? You know you ain't supposed to go there. But you can be sinning against God, and there's no no trespassing sign. It's just you're ignoring God. But it's still sin. It's not the mark that he wants you to live by, to act by, to go by, the good works he wants you to do. But there's some obvious things. You can see the sign go, signs on the wall. Do not covet your neighbor's wife do not steal do not lie 
Do not have any gods before me. There's some pretty good signs that say no trespassing. You can't cross those lines and think you're going to be okay with God. But boy, I'm glad Jesus died for my sin because without his mercy, I would be consumed. Not you guys, but people in Texas would be too. You guys are good. If you're covered in the blood and washed in the blood and you're cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not, you should be. He made us alive because we were dead. Two, in which you once walked. That's how we once lived, not how we live now. Just like what Titus said, once we were doing this, but now we're not supposed to be. We know how to live righteously because we can look at all the things we used to do and say, I don't want to do that anymore. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. I don't want that spirit working in me. I got a new spirit. The Holy Ghost is watching me. I don't want to keep doing what the, the prince of the air does. Think about it. This is, this is how we know whether we're children of God or still living in the flesh. Do we have the seal of the Holy Spirit? Then we're no longer walking according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. Because, see, we're looking to be obedient. We're looking to obey. Because no one's entering the kingdom of God who does not have a desire to obey the will of God. And that desire comes from the seal that the Holy Spirit puts in us. And then he gives us, he justifies us, he renews us with the blood of Jesus. And he begins to wash us and cleanse us so that we learn what obedience means and how to do it perfectly like Christ did. Christ did it perfectly. And that's what we're supposed to be like. Look what he says there in three. Among whom also we all once, we used to, old man, old life, conducted ourselves, how in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. Just like Eve. Just like he tried to attack Jesus with. Jesus used the word of God to attack. We once by nature did that just as these others do. But not anymore. Why? Because God who is rich in mercy. Isn't that what we're talking about? God who is rich in his mercy and his kindness because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespass. Even when we, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's your position right now. We're seated in heavenly places. We're going to be rulers, believer, priests with the great high priest Jesus according to the order of Melchizedek. We're seated with him right now because we're joint heirs. Because we've been sealed and we have an inheritance in the heavenly places Positionally, we're seated with it. Practically, we're growing as we follow the Holy Spirit and he makes us like Jesus. If you die tomorrow, you'll instantly be like Jesus. Inheritance fulfilled. Completely in the will of God because you're in heaven with God. If you're in Christ tonight, tomorrow if you die, you're with him. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Why is that, Greg, that in the ages to come, he might, God might, show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness, in his mercy toward us in Christ Jesus. And then we have the verse that most people know by heart, for by grace, getting what you don't deserve, God's riches at Christ's expense, you have been saved, soteria, brought to safety, made complete, made whole and healthy through faith, confident trust in God's provision for the sin nature, confident trust in God's Messiah. You trusted in him and that not of yourselves. See, self is dead. Your works are dead. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, it is the gift of God, not of works. You can't work it. If you try to work it, it's religion. 
If you try to do it, if you think that going to church gets it, if you think that reading your Bible gets it, that your works, grace through faith, you believe in your heart, it's automatically sealed, and then the Holy Spirit takes over, and you're supposed to cooperate, and you're supposed to follow, and you're supposed to listen. You're supposed to let Him wash you and put you in the bathtub with the washing of the water through the Word and continue to prepare you for every good work. What's the good work for you? What God tells you to put your hands to. Not what your flesh says to do, but the next thing that he tells you to do. That's the good work, because all of God's work is good. None good but God. We're going to close it up. It's a gift of God. Have you opened it? It's not of works. Why? Because then, lest anyone should boast. If it was works, I would say, hey, I've read through my Bible 26 times. How many times do you read through yours? <laughs> More saved than you. I went to church three times this week. How many times you go? I didn't curse any. Did you curse this week? Ha, ha, ha. I'm more saved than you. I'm, cli I'm climbing the ladder. See, it's not of works. We all sit in the same place in heavenly places. And we're in different places in our growth, in our walk. But we should be growing in our walk. We should be going in our walk. We should be listening and following the Holy Spirit in our walk. If we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, we shouldn't be still fighting God and running around going, I don't want to obey you. That's rebellion. That's flesh. But we should understand our identity that we, the righteous, are bold as lions. Why? Because... My God, my husband defeated the world. My dad can kick your dad's butt. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but he did. He kicked him all across the planet. He's going to cast him into chains, into the abyss. My dad sent his son to be my kinsman redeemer and bring me back into the family to pay my debt that I couldn't pay for me. Man, that makes me want to go and tell other peoples of his great mercy and his great grace. I'm not going to be boasting about anything except boasting in the Lord and what he's done. I don't have any strength of my own. I'm strengthless. And without the Lord's mercies, I'd be consumed. It's his compassions that fail. Not I fail all the time. You can play Greg Fellmont. You put the. You can put. I mean, I'm a. I'm a failure without Jesus. So are you. So are people in Texas. And they're underneath the sway of the wicked one, who is the great failure, if they don't have Jesus. And you don't want to follow great failures. You want to follow Jesus, be led by the Holy Spirit, not continue to walk in the spirit of disobedience, following the prince of the air, who is a failure. I remember being in prison, and I was like, man, these guys are making some crazy noise. What is going on? And I go to the room next door, and they're over there doing witchcraft and worshiping the devil. And I'm like, what are you guys doing worshiping the loser, you stupid? They're like, huh? I go, well, if you believe in the devil, you got to believe in God. I wouldn't even live it for God. I'm just like, you got to believe in God, so you got to know that he loses. Why would you want to worship the loser? They didn't beat me up. They all looked at me like, wait a minute, he's got a point there. We're worshiping the loser. They're all going like this at each other, like, what do we do about this? He's right. And I wasn't even serving God. So I went back and went to sleep. Anyway, I remember, like, I could tell you the guy's names. It was crazy. I'm like, you guys are burning candles to Lucifer? Are you goofy? Anyway, I digress. Listen, it's not by works of righteousness. It's not what we have done. It's not, we can't be saved by it. It's by grace alone and faith alone, by Jesus alone. Not works. But what's he say in the next verse? Ephesians 2.10, we are. Anytime you see we are or you are, they are. This is our identity. This is our inheritance. This is who we are in Christ. Not, not in the world. You, you don't have to be living in the world. You are in the world, and we are his workmanship. It's the Greek word poema. We get the word poem from it. We're works in progress. The Holy Spirit is still finishing writing it and taking care of it, but it's already spoken into your DNA 
And God already knows because he never learns anything. And you're still cooperating and letting him finish your testimony and your history as you walk it out and you follow the Holy Spirit. You're his workmanship. Where? Created, recreated, reborn in Christ Jesus. Notice Christ is first. That's the Mashiach, the Messiah, the anointed of God. Jesus would be his humanity. The Lord is salvation, the body that died. So we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, not saved by good works. But now that we're brought back into the family of God, he's got some stuff for us to do. And you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He gives you gifts. He gives you talents. He leads you. You learn to do what you're doing. Your gifts can change, I believe. You can start here. And as you're faithful, he gives you more to do. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Are you walking in the good works that God prepared for you? If not, you're under the sway of the wicked one, living in the world, being bewitched. Because you should be finding out what the will of the Lord is. Finding out what God's will for your life is. What did he speak into your life? Why did he save you? He didn't save us just so that we could go to heaven. If he saved you so you could go to heaven, the moment you said the prayer and you believed in your heart, still the Holy Spirit sealing you, he'd just take you home. What happened? He got saved. He died. He went to be with Jesus. More alive now than he ever been. Well, what? No, he wants you to be a witness by your good works that you go out and do. And you can't do them on your own flesh. You have to do them by the Spirit of God, according to the will of God, for the glory of God. He's prepared them for you. When he spoke you into existence, when he knew that on you, the day you believed in him, you were going to believe in him, he's already created them. He prepared you for them. He knows what he's doing, and he's using all of your life's experiences, whether it was somebody sinning against you or you sinning against somebody, whether your leg was broke or your foot was broke or the pain hurt or whatever happened, he prepared you by using them so that you could give him glory through them. And not allow the dog to bit you, to keep biting you all the rest of your life. Quit looking backward at the dog that bit you and look upward. And find out what the will of the Lord is. And be free. Set free. And safe in the house of God. Because he loves you. It's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Why? Great, abundant is his faithfulness. Listen, if we're faithless, God is still faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny the covenant that he made. No covenant has ever been made with God that God thought the person making the covenant was going to keep it because we are an unfaithful people. But faithfulness is one of the fruits of the Spirit that He puts in you as you tell Him who you are. You confess who you are, and you allow His Spirit to create Christ-likeness in you. You become faithful. We are faithless, but God is perfectly faithful, and He cannot deny Himself. It's uh, 2 Timothy 2.13, I think. If we are faithless, God is faithful. He cannot deny Himself. He can't deny the truth. He cannot deny his promises. He cannot deny that Jesus' blood he received and he's given you salvation if you believe so he's faithful to finish that work. And you can become faithful in the little things and he'll make you ruler over much more. I forget what the verse was. But my brain went dead. I looked around at you guys going, shut up and let us go home. We're tired. <laughs> I'm teasing. I jest. <clears throat> Listen, it's only his mercy. He longs to give it. It's new every morning. He sits on the throne of grace. Come boldly to that throne of grace. Is that right? Mm -hmm. That we might obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Oh my goodness, do we need mercy. Next week, anybody have any comments?
Next week's verse. What is it? Somebody tell me. We just read it a couple days ago. Deuteronomy. Do, do, do. Oh, somebody got mad at me when we were going through Deuteronomy for doing that. That's that. Sound like a song. Do, do, do. 31. Deuteronomy 31. 6. Now, we're probably going to have two weeks, so I don't want to hear any griping. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a great verse. That's a great verse. Listen, be strong, be of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. Wait a minute. Fear nor be afraid? So that's two different things? Don't fear anything. Don't be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. He's going to complete the work He started in you. Write that down. Memorize it. Oh my goodness, that's a lot, Greg. I'll give you a couple weeks. Hopefully we can get to 2 Kings chapter 14 next week, God willing. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for being such a compassionate God who has zeal for his people. Fill us full of your spirit, Lord. Give us a desire to find out what your will is for our life and to walk in it recklessly. Well, maybe not recklessly. With obedience. I apologize for that word. Because we shouldn't be reckless the way we were when we were disobedient, Lord. So wake us up to give us self-control and help in time of need. Help us not to be afraid, Lord, to confess before you because we need your mercy and your grace. We know they fail not. And we look for a new in the morning as we begin a new day to go out and teach others to follow you. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.